Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis. Nathan is out today. He showed up on the availability report. Hopefully, we get him back here real soon. Like, we'll do it like Ohio State does. We won't tell you why. We'll just, you know. He's out for the day's pod, but still, it should be a fun conversation. We're talking Marvin Harrison Jr., and we're talking Heisman Trophy coming off a performance against Penn State where he had, what, 11 catches for 160-plus yards and a touchdown and basically was the engine behind Ohio State's offense on a day where Penn State stagnated things for the most of the day. I also got the Texers involved in this, and I, I, let's just start here, Andrew, because you were here. By the time we started doing the market down Mondays for the highest trophy talk, so you you had a voice in this conversation. Here are the options I gave to the Texans, and here's the question: Coming into the season, what did you think of Marvin Harrison Jr.'s chances of being a Heisman finalist? And the choices were: I thought he had a shot, but it would have to be a perfect scenario. He's OSU's best player, so very high. It wasn't impossible, but probably unlikely. And the Heisman's a QB award, so there's no chance. Where were you? First of all, what, what's your, how would you answer that question? But then also, where were you in the line of thinking that Ohio State could have someone other than a quarterback be a Heisman Trophy final? This isn't about winning the award. This is just about their ability yeah. to get to New York. To get there, I said I thought he had a shot, but it would have to be a perfect scenario. Uh, mm. If you're asking about winning, I would – move myself down a tier to it wasn't impossible, but probably unlikely. Um, you know, I, you look at, I think about the conversations that we had in, in August when we talked about this and I, I believe you had Kyle McCord as a Heisman finalist, correct? That is correct. So I, I remember talking about the, the, the options here. And I remember kind of laying out like, look, are we going to be able to differentiate or are national people going to be able to differentiate if Marvin and Emeka kind of end up similar in the stat lines? Are they going to be able to differentiate that? Because I, you know, I kind of made the case on that show. Look, Marvin getting 
1,400 yards receiving is more impressive than Emeka getting 1,400 yards receiving because, as you know, Ryan Day and a bunch of other people have said, defenses start their week with, all right, let's stop 18. All right, let's let's figure out how to take 18 away. And, I mean, you saw the Notre Dame game where Notre Dame was – I mean, they, they looked at this and they said, damn, if 18 is going to beat us, and they doubled him the whole game or most of the game. You know, they had, um, you know, uh, Cam Hart, their number two corner with a safety over the top. And then on third downs, they sent Benjamin Morrison, who might be an All-American corner over top of him. So they really did – like this – and you kind of knew that that was going to happen throughout the year. And then you kind of got to the point of, okay, well, if Marvin is a finalist, where does that leave Kyle McCord? Like if Marvin is a guy who's going to make it to New York, what does that mean for Kyle McCord? And I just think that this year has kind of been the perfect scenario for for Marvin Harrison Jr. in terms of, you know, being in this conversation, in this Heisman conversation, because, yeah, you know, I, I you kind of do look at it as a quarterback award. I don't think that's insane. So I I thought he had a shot to get to uh, to get to New York. Um, you know, there was some things that would maybe have to break the right way. You know, whether that's Ohio State's offense is just unbelievable and you have two rep, uh, two representatives in New York and that's McCord and Marv or, you know, there's a couple different things that could happen elsewhere across the country. Winning, I thought, was a lot more difficult. But, yeah, I I don't think anybody really discounted it. I, I just don't think anybody really thought it was likely. So Marvin Harrison this season has 42 catches for 766 yards and six touchdowns. That includes five games of at least 100 yards, two of which, three of which he had at least 160. He had 160 against Youngstown State, he had 163 against Maryland, and 162 this past weekend against Penn State. And then the only two games he didn't have 100 yards are against Indiana, who tried to, you know, shorten the game as much as possible while also taking him away. Only two catches for 18 yards. And as you already mentioned, Notre Dame, the combination of them selling out on taking him away while also him suffering an ankle injury to open up the second half limited him but for the most part he's been the engine of their offense the reason i say his stats because they're not you know they're not amongst the first and he's not top 10 in a lot of different stats right now and that is because he had two games where teams just sold out on taking him away his catches are when he had the one to be fair he did have the one like 30 or 40 yard reception or whatever it was against indiana that was taken off the board that ryan day said the following week should not have been taken off the board so if you really want to i mean add a touchdown to that total Mm -hmm. and it look it still is an outlier when you compare the rest of his games but you know the indiana game two of 18 that looks a lot better um if you have a touchdown and another catch and you know whatever 30 yards or whatever that was He's 31st in the country in catches. He's seventh in yards. And then in touchdowns, he's, I mean, he has six touchdowns. That's kind of hard. He's tied for 18th with a bunch of different guys. His catches per game are 27th. And then his yards per game, he's averaging 109.4 yards per game. That ranks seventh in the country. But the more important thing here is what is it in relation to Kyle McCord? Because that's, to your point, We've seen Ohio State's quarterbacks be Heisman Trophy finalists plus Chase Young as a defensive end doing it. So this would be the third different position to be a Heisman Trophy finalist under Ryan Day if Marvin Harrison Jr. can do that. Kyle McCord's 131 of 205 this season for 1,937 yards and 12 touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. is responsible for 32% of Kyle McCord's completions. 
39.5% of his yards and half of his touchdowns. So he has been the engine behind Ohio State's offense in a way that I think helps his case because that was the thing with Devontae Smith. Yes, both Matt Jones and Devontae Smith were Heisman Trophy finalists in 2020. But part of the reason why it was such a gone away favorite that Devontae Smith was over Mac Jones was Mac Jones's numbers were awesome yes but the engine behind Alabama's offense was Devontae Smith especially once Jalen Waddle went down yeah and that to me is an important distinction because it, you know look what what do we say abducted abducted by aliens if that was yeah. that was the way like you don't like you look at those situations and you see a guy who, like you said, it was very clear that he was propping up the rest of, you know, the rest of the team, right? It was very mm-hmm. clear that he was kind of propping up the rest of the unit. And I mean, you look at Ohio State, 11 catches for 162 yards and a touchdown against Penn State without a Mecca in the lineup, right? We talked about this in the postgame pod. I wrote about this after the game. Like, this was something that was a big storyline. Like, if Penn State had Marvin Harrison Jr., do they win that game? And I don't think it's insane to at least consider yes. I don't think it's insane to say if Drew Aller's throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., they win that game. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's a good thing that Emeka was out, but I do think it did give you that kind of perspective like you had with Devontae and Waddle of, hey, look, when somebody's out, it's very clear where, like you said, where the engine of this offense is. And I mean, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Here were our Heisman Trophy finalist predictions heading into the season. Nathan, who's not here with us today, had Jordan Travis winning it, while Caleb Williams and Drake May finished second and third. Obviously, at this point, they take four to New York going forward, but it's the top three voters, typically. That's why we, we went with the top three. I had Quinn Ewers winning it out of Texas, and that looked very good coming out of the Alabama game. And then, of course, they lost to Oklahoma. So that chances have probably dwindled. As you mentioned, I had Kyle McCord and I had Caleb Williams as well getting there but not winning it. I think for most of the season, Caleb Williams is probably in the lead. And then the last two weeks happened, and it's probably killed his chances of repeating as a Heisman Trophy winner. And then you had Quinn Ewers, you had Caleb Williams second, and you had Sam Hartman, who is not winning the Heisman Trophy and the chances of him getting to New York not even are slim. It. it looked good for four no. weeks, but it, and then it just completely died. I think it, it looked good until they played another top 10 opponent and then it kind of went down the drain. But I, I think there's, there's two specific different questions. There's what should happen and what you think will happen because those are two different things, especially when you're talking about this award where, as we've said on this pod plenty of times, Heisman voters can be very dumb. The question is, if the season ended today, so they've played seven games, as I mentioned, Marvin Harrison Jr., 46 catches, 40, excuse me, 42 catches for 766 yards and six touchdowns, and he has showed up and basically was one of the five reasons Ohio State beat a top 10 opponent on Saturday. And he's probably closer to one than he is to five on that list. Give me a reason why you would think Ohio- Marvin Harrison Jr. should be a Heisman Trophy finalist, if the season ends today, and then give me a reason why you think he shouldn't be a Heisman Trophy finalist today if the season ended. Well, he should be a Heisman finalist because you look at the quarterbacks that are ahead of him. You know, I, lo- I pulled up the betting odds uh, when you look at this. 
from yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on for that. Hold oh, on. Oh, you're gonna read. You're gonna read those yes, later. That, yes, I'll right. read those later. Yes. Okay. Well, all right. So leaving that aside, um, I think should be a Heisman finalist because, like I said, I think you saw the engine of of this offense. Right. You saw that when it comes time to play a top ten team, you. It, I th- I think there is no greater example of what Marvin Harrison Jr. can do than the Notre Dame game and the Penn State game because Notre Dame has a really good secondary and Penn State has a really good secondary and Notre Dame said no way no how you're going to beat us and they did everything in their power to take 18 away and he finished with three catches for 32 yards in a game that he got hurt in so you know I I, I think that you can kind of point to that and say all right a top 10 team had to double this guy, a team with a really good secondary, a team with NFL players in their secondary didn't say, let's go win one-on-one against Marvin Harrison Jr. Our guy's better than your guy. They went, no, this is dumb. We're going to try and do what we can to stop this guy. And then you play another top 10 team and yeah, they tried. Yeah, they, they did some, you know, they, they did some double stuff and, and they tried to, uh, they tried to take him away as best they could. They did not double him as much as Notre Dame did, certainly. And Marvin Harrison Jr. finished with 11 catches for 162 yards. So <laughs> I think that that is just a really great example of you You have two games where you play a top 10 team with NFL dudes in the secondary, like players that are going to play on Sundays in the secondary on both teams. And one team, pretty, I think, smartly and correctly, looked at Marvin and went, nope, not going to happen. We're going to take him away. And then one team did not have as much of that kind of gung-ho nature, and they allowed 162 yards, and up until the final drive of the game, he was outgaining their entire receiving core. Like that final drive where Penn State just scored in garbage time, if if they had just thrown a pick on that first play, then Marvin Harrison Jr. would have had more receiving yards than Penn State did passing yards that day. That's crazy. So I think that that's a really great example of what can happen when 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 you look at why he should be a candidate because the numbers are going to be there you play wisconsin rutgers uh michigan state minnesota for four of your last five games the numbers are going to be there those are some games that ohio state should win and and especially like the michigan state and the minnesota game fairly comfortably the numbers will be there but i think that game personally the penn state game proves to me that he is one of the best players in the country and then you're going to be able to stack up the numbers later. And, and, and I just, not that I needed proving that he was one of the best players in the country. I just look at him and say, wow, those two games really kind of tell the tale of the season. I think for, for him, um, why he shouldn't, this is a smaller answer because I do think he should, um, or this is a shorter answer. I, the, the argument that I could hear is that, who means more to their team? And I understand that, you know, this is an MVP. I understand that argument, but I do somewhat buy into the argument of like, where would Washington be without Michael Penix? Like where, like where would Florida state be without Jordan Travis? Where would, I don't know, uh, Oklahoma be without Dylan Gabriel? Like, I think where would Michigan be without JJ McCarthy? I think you can, and we'll get, we'll get into that, but I think you can talk yourself into, if you tried really, really hard to say, these quarterbacks might not be as good at their position as Marvin Harrison Jr. is at his, 
and they are not as high quality and they might not go as high in the NFL draft and they might not be this and they might not be that. But I do think you could kind of make the argument that those players are uplifting their teams more than Marvin Harrison Jr. is. I understand that kind of goes into that. Like, I understand that kind of goes against the argument I just made a little bit, but a quarterback is quarterback. And I do think that there is that argument available if you want it. I'm not saying it's a great argument, but it's the best you've got that a quarterback is more important. And if, you know, some of these teams, like if Washington finishes undefeated, if Michigan finishes undefeated, like if Florida State finishes well, Michigan, undefeated, well, well that's, uh, that's the, the Michigan State's undefeated. That that's a, a part of going to be a part of this discussion here because sure, part of them finishing undefeated means <clears throat> they would have to beat the team Marvin Harrison Jr. is on. Right, right. Um, but so even still, all right. So then let's just say it's Penix and Travis and Gabriel, right? Like if it's mm-hmm. those three, I I think you could make a case of just. Those guys matter more to their team, and that's why they should be in New York. I'm not saying I necessarily believe it, but I do think that there it it's not completely on Pluto to say that quarterback is, especially some quarterbacks of an undefeated team, should have representatives in New York over Marvin. So for starters, the first question, 57% of the textures were with you. I thought he had a shot, but it would have to be the perfect scenario. 26% said it, it wasn't impossible, but probably unlikely. 15% said he's Ohio State's best player, so barely, very high. And then only 3% said the Heisman is a Heisman's a QB award, so no chance, which plays into what you're talking about here with why he shouldn't be. Most of the time, I am with you. Quarterback is the most position, most important position in sports. Yeah. So that gets, especially with Heisman nowadays, that's, it's just turned into a quarterback award unless you have like the Devontae Smith season. But I don't know if that's true this year. I don't know if it's for sure certain that Jordan Travis, Dylan Gabriel, Michael Penix, continue the list, are more important to their teams than Marvin Harrison Jr. is to Ohio State because you just said it and you wrote it. The Ohio State-Penn State game in some ways came down to the fact that one team had Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other one didn't. And a year ago, on top of what JT Tweemaloa was doing in State College that day, Marvin Harrison Jr. was their only offense. On top of all that, you go back to the Georgia game, Ohio State was in control of that game. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. got knocked out of the game. Now, there's some other things that happened as well, obviously, but so much of their offense went out the window when Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt. What allowed Emeka Buka to do the things he was doing against Notre Dame? Because Notre Dame was so busy trying to take away Marvin Harrison Jr. If they just played Marvin Harrison Jr. straight up, I don't see a reason why his game against Penn State couldn't have been the exact same version against Notre Dame if no, if Notre Dame hadn't done what it tried to do with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think you can make the case that there's a lot of talent on Ohio State's roster, but they've been down a receiver. Their third receiver, who was a constant touchdown threat a year ago, hasn't necessarily been a part of the factor. When Travion Henderson has been healthy, he's ran the ball pretty decently, but he hasn't been healthy. And the run game has just been kind of stagnant. And the quarterback has been okay. Nothing special yet. 
maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't. But right now, I, I wouldn't say Kyle McCord has been. I think, well, <laughs> I say all that he might be the second best quarterback in the Big Ten right now. But I do still think right now there's a gap in between where JJ McCarthy is and whoever number two is in the Big Ten. I think that's a fair thing to say. So because of that, that hikes up the value of how important it is to have a receiver who, yes, he's had some uncharacteristic drops this year, maybe more than in years past, but with all the ways that Ryan Day is using Marvin Harrison Jr. this season, Marvin said it in the offseason how the one thing he wanted to get better at was yards after the catch. He had 323 yards after the catch all last season on 77 catches. He's got 307 yards after the catch through seven games this year and 42 catches. It's because they're getting him the ball all over the field. I think you can make a case that he might be more important to Ohio State's offense right now because of all the other problems they're dealing with than some of these other quarterbacks around the country under their offense. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that argument. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think that looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. as the key cog of Ohio State's offense is crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I did some math here. When Devontae won the Heisman, he had 117 catches and 1,856 yards in 2020. Uh, that was 36.11% of Alabama's catches, and that was 39.86% of Alabama's yards. Uh, right now, Marv is a little bit below that number. If if you want to use that, thirty nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's thirty two percent of the it's, completion. It's yeah, it's twenty nine point three seven percent and thirty five point eight nine percent of the yards. Um, when you look at the yards, so he he's a little bit off that pace. But I don't think anybody who has watched Ohio State this year will look at Marvin Harrison Jr. as not the best player a the best player on the team and b the 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 key cog to this so yeah i i hear what you're saying and i do think that there could be the argument of look marvin is doing this let me just start a hypothetical for you let's say you're not the biggest kyle mccord defender and i don't mean you just the the general you let's say you're not the biggest kyle mccord guy in the world you think he's just fine whether whether you think he's fine or below average, but you don't think he's great. Don't you think that matters a little bit more? Like, don't you think, because I think you could make the case that like some of these other quarterbacks maybe have a system that is working in their favor. Whereas if you don't think Kyle McCord is all that, like if you don't think Kyle McCord is a level that, you know, is a future first round pick, second round pick, third round pick. Like if you think Kyle McCord is just another dude. I'm not saying that's correct, but I'm just saying that if you think that, I don't hate the argument either there that, look, Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing this with a quarterback who is not, you know, going to be in a, I mean, as it stands right now, who is not going to be a top five pick in 2024. He's not going to be a first round pick in the 2024 draft that's like, you know, 12th overall or 10th overall or high up in the first round. So I, I do think that that kind of could be brought into consideration as well is that he's doing this with however you want to view Kyle McCord. He's not at a level of like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or, or some of these other quarterbacks that we have kind of mentioned here that he's kind of doing this independently, which I think just kind of makes it all that much more impressive. So since Desmond Howard won the Heisman Trophy in 1991, we've had David Palmer, 
We've had Larry Fitzgerald, David Palmer from Alabama, and that was in 1993. Larry Fitzgerald from Pittsburgh in 2003. Amari Cooper from Alabama in 2014. And then obviously Devontae Smith, also from Alabama. So Alabama, three different times wide receiver has been Eisman Trophy finalist. But obviously Devontae Smith won in 2020. Those have been the wide receivers who have been Heisman Trophy finalists. And they all fit that description you're talking about, Andrew, where the quarterback is good, but you can tell that the quarterback is not the reason why this offense is so unstoppable. Just to bring the Texans back involved here, when I asked the question, if the season into today ended today, do you think he should be a Heisman Trophy finalist? 75% said yes, that he should be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And then I differentiated, if the season ended today, do you think he would be a Heisman Trophy finalist? Only 63% said no. 63% said no on that one, and 37% said yes. And I think that's because that's where the quarterback function of this comes into this, is that we're going to run through some names later when we're talking about Heisman odds, and they're all quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the list right now. at this Because Brock Bowers is on the list as well, but he's injured. He's going to miss the next month, basically, of football. So the chances of him winning it are zero, or even being a finalist are zero at this point. But I do think the fact that there is a long list of quarterbacks to choose from and still a lot of big-time football left to be played, I understand why Texers can feel like, Yes, he should be a Heisman Trophy finalist, but the chances of him actually being one, they're not ready to get around yet. Let's take a quick break there, and then we'll come back and look at some of the variables that need to be in place for Marvin Harrison Jr. to get to New York. And we'll go through that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Get the text 614-350-3315 if you want to participate in surveys like this. If you just want to get news and analysis and thoughts and everything else, everything we do at cleveland.com here at Buckeye Talk, we send it to that number first, 614-350-3315. Before we write a story, before we do a video, before we do a pod or anything else, it comes to your phone first, two-week free trial, $399 after that. So getting a wide receiver to New York takes some help, right? This is not something that because this has become such a quarterback-centric award, and even before that, it was a running back-centric award. It's never really been a wide receiver-centric award. It does need some help. And I think there are four legitimate things that need to be checked off if a wide receiver is going to get to New York. No quarterback emerges as a clear favorite. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s overall stats. 
Ameka Ibuka's continued absence and then Kyle McCord not turning into a Heisman Trophy candidate. And I think, Andrew, I want to break down all of these, so I'll let you pick. What, which one of those is the most important variable for Marvin Harrison Jr. to get to New York? No quarterback emerges as a clear favorite. I think that is number one because I understand the whole – like you can think it's wrong that quarterback is weighted so heavily and not only that, that wins and losses are rated so heavily. Like it, it, whether or not you want to buy into that, like whether or not you think, hey, Caleb Williams is the best player in the country, he should win the Heisman – or whether or not you think he's lost twice, he's out. That's just the way it is. Like losing matters. So I think what you need is some quarterbacks to lose, some quarterbacks to not play well. Um, you know, I was looking up some schedules. Florida State doesn't really play anybody down the stretch, and, and that's going to be a problem for for Jordan Travis if you want to knock him out because Florida State ends with at Wake Forest, at Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and at Florida, and then the ACC championship game. Uh, Washington, I know they finish with USC, Utah, Oregon State. That'll be a little bit of a tough challenge for Penix. Um, Oklahoma, really, I mean, they don't have anybody super challenging on that schedule. Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, TCU. Then you get to the Big Ten cha- or Big 12 championship game. Then you got some issues. So there are some games there where, you know, a team can get upset. But what you don't need is for, like, a Michael Penix Jr. to just absolutely go bananas in the next five weeks along with Jordan Travis, because if Michael Penix Jr. leads Washington to a 13 and 0 regular season and they're undefeated and his numbers are ridiculous, especially like down the stretch, because this is a, this is a thing. And, 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 you know, we, we have to talk about this Heisman moments matter. You know, everybody talks about the Heisman moment, capital T, capital H, capital M, and what kind of game or what kind of moment can you have? Like last year, it felt like Caleb Williams had the inside track to the Heisman, and then he danced all over Notre Dame on primetime television, and everybody went, oh, well, this guy's going to win the Heisman. Absolutely. Whether or not he was going to win it already is kind of beside the fact. I think a lot of it just solidified it in a lot of people's minds that that was the moment that did it. So... There are games that are going to matter down the stretch, but it just, if a quarterback is going to go out there and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns or, you know, run the table or something, that, that is just going to be a really, really tough obstacle to overcome, especially when you talk about undefeated. Because win loss record, I actually think you could make a case that win loss record matters less for Marvin Harrison Jr. than it does for any other quarterback, because you can go out there and hang 220 yards receiving. And if your team loses the game, there are a lot of people that will point to the quarterback and say, hey, the quarterback lost the game. That's his problem. I I think the wide receiver might be able to escape a little bit of that criticism. Um, So you you look at the quarterbacks. You just can't have anybody go nuts down the stretch and can't have anybody run the table because right or wrong, I don't think it's possible that Marvin Harrison Jr. wins the Heisman Trophy if you're sitting at the end of the year with like two or three undefeated teams. You know, you got Washington, let's say Washington, Oklahoma, Florida State. You get three undefeated teams and their quarterbacks, you know, have good to great ends of the season. I just don't see a way in which Marvin Harrison Jr. maybe even gets to New York if that's the case, if you have that many quarterbacks having that good of seasons. You keep bringing up the fact that being undefeated, I, do, you, do you think that matters? Because just, well, I think just win-loss matters. Off, 
I, I don't know if being undefeated matters, though, whether Michael Penix is undefeated or not, because since the playoff era, so this is 2014, Oregon was yep. undefeated when Marcus Mariota won it. Derrick Henry, Alabama was not undefeated. Lamar Jackson, they weren't even in the championship conversation. He was just that awesome. 2017, I don't think Baker Mayfield was undefeated. Tyler Murray was not undefeated because they had lost in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Twelve ter- championship game. Joe Burrow was undefeated. Devontae Smith undefeated, but Bryce Young and Caleb Williams both weren't undefeated. I don't think being undefeated matters that much in this conversation. Now, I do agree with you that sometimes the Heisman moment can matter, but I don't think be, if if it comes down to a quarterback is undefeated and Ohio State has has is all also undefeated i don't think that the thing that pushes one quarterback over marvin harrison jr is going to be the fact that they're undefeated yeah i think you know what that's a fair point so allow me to rephrase you can't have washington can't lose like three times on the stretch you you can't have a bunch of losses stack up and so yeah that's a good catch i think that that's a better way to say it i was just kind of using that as like i i think winning out does matter i think especially if you can do that but i you know I i think it's absolutely fair to say that you know if if I mean we saw this with Caleb Williams, like USC lost back to back weeks, and Caleb Williams, his odds have plummeted, his odds have have completely tanked, and I know he played like absolute dog water in one of those games, but I think winning and losing does matter. So you, you just can't have, you know, uh, I I think the best case scenario for Marv personally would be chaos down the stretch because if Washington loses two or three times. Oklahoma loses two or three times, then you could just, it's, you know, operation plow the road at that point. So yeah, being under, yeah, that's a good, you know, being undefeated doesn't matter per se, but having a good record and putting yourself in like strong national standing at the end of the year absolutely does. So no QB emerges at the, as a clear favorite was also number one with the Texas. It was kind of close though, but 1.56, the Texas had the, a number one. What was number two on your list? Uh, this was interesting, um, because I, (sighs) this was hard for me with two and three. Uh, so I put Kyle McCord not turning into a Heisman candidate here. Um, I, I think this maybe is a, like the longer we get is kind of a long, like the farther we get into the season, it's more of a long shot. Um, you know, Ohio state has already played two of its biggest three games of the season and nobody's really talking about Kyle McCord being like a Heisman candidate. So, like, script out a path to Kyle McCord being in New York for a Heisman candidate, right? It would have to be he absolutely bludgeons, like, the offense goes crazy against Washington, or against Washington, against Wisconsin, Rutgers, uh, Michigan State, and Minnesota, and then you play really well and win against Michigan, and you have to put up some numbers against Michigan. And, I, I, I mean, I just... I don't know how likely it is that you're going to get just complete and total annihilation of the schedule from Kyle McCord that will kind of put him in that category. Um, but if it does happen, that would be a pretty big hindrance because if Kyle McCord is able to kind of ball out down the stretch, I think that that would be it would it would kind of operate as a roadblock, I think, a little bit for Marv getting to New York. So you had that second. The Texas had it fourth. Which I, I was a little shocked by that, but let, let's just get some Texas reactions here based on some of the stuff we've been talking about here. From the three three zero, I think he has a pretty good chance if OSU wins the game against 
the team up north and he has something like he had in the Penn State game, I think it's over. 13-0 would be the number one team almost certainly, and he would be almost undoubtedly the best player in the country. Penn's case gets weaker as the Pac-12 does. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know about that. That. I, I, I might agree with if the, Well, no, if the Pac-12 starts to just cannibalize itself, I do get that. But the rest of theirs was, and J.J. wouldn't survive a head-to-head loss against Marvin. I do think that's worth having a conversation later in this pod, the, the Michigan aspect of this. But I thought the Kyle McCord thing was interesting because I under Mac Jones and Devontae Smith both got there as quarterback and wide receiver, both hypothetically got to New York. It was on Zoom that year, but they were both Heisman Trophy finalists. But I do think the field is so wide right now, and we are so late in the season that I think you're right. Something would have to really switch on over the next month for Kyle McCord to end up in New York. And so because of that, I don't know if that happens, but also I don't know if there's a world where both Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. get to New York like we saw with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith or even Justin Fields and Chase Young doing it on opposite sides of the ball in 2019. I don't think Ohio State hasn't been dominant enough to get two guys to New York, and that's what it takes typically if you're going to have more than one guy from the same team get to New York. And so I thought that would be higher, but the Texans just had it fourth, and maybe because they're not thinking about it that way, but that was fourth. What was third for you? Uh, I had Marv's overall stats, um, which means I had Emeka's continued absence fourth. I think if Marvin can – I, I, I kind of tied these two together a little bit, and that's why I just said third and fourth, although if you were listening, you knew what was fourth there. Um, third with Marvin's stats, like you you have to put up kind of crazy stats. We mentioned um, – you know, we mentioned Devontae Smith in that year, you know, 1,800 yards receiving, 117 catches. Like, you, you got to have something in that ballpark. You can't go to – you're not going to go to New York with, uh, you know, 1,050 yards receiving, right? Like, you got to have some numbers. Um, so, th- that being said, I, I just – I looked at the quarterback position as a – as a big kind of roadblock in waiting, I thought, you know, I'm not saying these are the most likeliest uh, or these are the likeliest options, but I do think that if Marv wants to get to New York, Kyle McCord turning into a Heisman candidate would be a big problem for that. Um, you know, I, Ohio State wouldn't hate it. The fans wouldn't hate it. The program wouldn't hate it. If Kyle McCord, if all of a sudden you have two guys that you think are worthy of being, you know, in consideration for the Heisman Trophy. But in terms of, what could hurt that it's definitely comma core turning into a Heisman candidate more over the stats. Um, but I do think the stats, you can't just put up, you know, 50 yards a game the rest of the week or the rest of the way, because you beat Penn state really good. You know, you, you have to keep kind of putting up these numbers. So they're important, but I do think how you play in big games truly matters because if you can scrape together, you know, look, with all due respect to some of the teams that he's going to play and maybe without respect to some of the defenses he's going to play, there should be yards and points on the table for Marv. And I think that if you can just kind of tread water where you're at right now, you know, average 100-ish yards a game, 90-ish yards a game, and then you get to Michigan because there are going to be some moments where Ohio State, Ohio State, if all goes according to plan, when they're playing Michigan State, Marvin's going to be seated on the bench by the end of the third quarter. 
you know, they're like they're going to want to have him down because that game they're hoping is a blowout in the end of that game. So I think the stats matter, but I do think big games kind of matter just as much, if that makes sense. So you kind of have to keep up your stats, but I think the big games matter. And then Emeka's absence, I think, frankly, the reason I have this last is because one, I think it's not as important as the others, but two, I think we've already kind of seen what an offense looks like without Emeka and what Marvin Harrison Jr. can do. You know, we we've seen what his absent what Marvin's absence means, and we've seen what Emeka's absence means. And I know Marv wasn't out a super long time against Notre Dame, but we have seen, you know, kind of Marvin not be a hundred percent, Marvin not be full go against Notre Dame. And we've seen Emeka not be any go. And Marvin still put up 162 yards receiving. That's crazy. So I I, I think Emeka being out is last. I, I think he has kind of pretty well stated his his importance to this offense. So Emeka's Abuka's continued absence was third for the Texers. And obviously, as I mentioned, Kyle McCord not turning into a Heisman candidate was fourth. Marvin's overall stats was second. I would have had Emeka's continued absence first. Because Interesting. that's how Devontae Smith won the Heisman Trophy in 2020. Here's his stats in the five games before Waddle's, Jalen Waddle's injury that year. He had 45 catches for 556 yards and four touchdowns. It was good, but, you know, no one's thinking that's going to turn into a Heisman Trophy candidate, right? Let alone a winner. Jalen Waddle goes down in the six games after that. 53 catches for 955 yards and 13 touchdowns. Waddle's absence put all the production burden on Devontae Smith, and he delivered. And as he was getting production without the guy who most people thought was actually their best receiver that year, in fact, the NFL draft showed us that because Waddle went higher, it allowed Devontae Smith to get numbers that he probably would have been splitting with Jalen Waddle. I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is clearly the better draft prospect in the Mecca Buka, even though they're both first-round draft picks. but. With Emeka Abuka being out against Penn State, Marvin had to be on because that was their only weapon. And he, he delivered. He had, 100, he had 162, catches, 162 yards and 11 catches and a touchdown and was very much their only offense for a lot of the time. So if Emeka Abuka continues to be out, though Ryan Day did say on Tuesday that he's you know hoping to get Emeka Abuka, Travion Henderson, Denzel Burke back this week, but we'll see. Uh, as you're listening to this, you'll probably have already found out if you sign up for the Texas from 4350-3315 if Ryan Day provided any extra updates to how those those three guys are progressing on Wednesday evening when we talk to Ryan Day for his lightning round. So sign up for the Texas from 4350-3315. But if that consists in Emeka Abuka doesn't come back for a couple of weeks and now your only offense is Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that feeds into the numbers and it also feeds into his case of like Ohio State's doing this where their only weapon is Marvin Harrison Jr. Teams know that and they still cannot take him away and it's leading Ohio State to wins. He can literally drag them to wins and drag them to dominant performances if the offense really gets clicking while also being Ohio State's really only first round caliber weapon on the field at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't hate that. I the thing that I'm trying to think of here is like how much more like have we not seen that already though? Like I understand the stats are what they are, but like have we not seen the the impact of Marvin Harrison Jr. being 
you know, the weapon for Ohio State? Like, ha- have we not already kind of had that moment? Yeah, like, but you can't you, you can't game, use that as a game, you can't use but, that against him if he's just doing it time. And you can't get bored with the greatness if he's showing. No, but that's it what I'm saying. That, no, I, that, that's not what I'm saying. I, that, uh, that's not my point. Like, what my point is, haven't we already seen that Marvin Harrison Jr. absent Emeka Buka is can, can do the things like that Devonte Smith. Like, I don't think you need J- Emeka Buka to be out for another three weeks or something like that. So that Marv can jack his stats up. I, I don't think that that particularly would matter, at least for me. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. I, I don't think that that would particularly matter for me because I just watched it. I just watched Marvin Harrison Jr. Go absolutely bananas against a Penn state secondary. That is still really good. And I understand that, you know, there are a lot of, you know, issues right now with Penn State, but they're more on the offensive side of the ball because Penn State's secondary and Penn State's defense is really good. And I just watched Marv torch them for 60 minutes and there was no Emeka. So I just don't know like what I just don't know what I would get from let's say let's say Emeka's out the next three games, like three more games. Wisconsin, Rutgers, and what would that be after that? Uh Michigan State. If if Emeka's out, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Michigan State. I mean, what number, like, what statistical category would there be against that level of competition for you to be it's satisfied? Not, like, but that's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm Devontae saying. We've already Smith, seen him dominate without Emeka against the top Devo- 10 team. Devontae Smith wasn't doing what he was doing that year when Jalen Waddle went out against top 10 opponents every week. There were some, you know, lower level there were opponents some, yeah. in there. It's not, it's a, it's just about, it's about the narrative. It's about, it's about narrative as much as it is about, the stats and it's the fact that Ohio State's passing offense is driven through one guy one guy is is carrying a passing attack that still might be the best in the Big Ten and as we said at the beginning of this pod and we have continued to say the Penn State game came down to one team had Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other one didn't if Emeka Ibuka continues to miss time that's going to continue to be the case regardless of the level of the opponent it comes down to we have a marvin harrison jr and you don't have a marvin harrison jr and every week he's showing you exactly that by showing up time and time it's not i I think it doesn't matter how many times you see it in fact the more you see it the more of an emphasis it makes on the fact of hey this is ohio state's only weapon this is how valuable he is to ohio state that ohio state's down it's second best receiver, arguably it's second best running back. And the only thing keeping this offense humming is one wide receiver. I, I think that helps his case. I, it doesn't matter if you've already seen it. Cause we had already seen it with Devonte Smith, but the more he did it, the more it made his case from one w- quick thing from the texter from the five, one, three, I don't have anyone else to tell this to. So I wanted to tell you guys, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate thank that. you, man. That's awesome. Assuming he averages 90 to 100 yards and one and a half touchdowns a game, if Ohio State beats Michigan, could Marv win the Heisman? I think the race is wide open right now, and it really reminds me of Devontae Smith. Marv is the reason Ohio State is winning games. I think you guys talked about it during the preseason, just mentioned a lot of stuff having to go right. Well, it kind of feels like that stuff is happening. Emeka being hurt, not taking his yards, the run game being bad, McCord looking rough, no clear leader at this point, etc. I think this is the scenario. It's playing out. I agree with that texture. It's all playing out. Your second best receiver has been out, and he missed a very big game, and Marvin Harrison Jr. was awesome anyway, and Ohio State walked away with a win, mostly because Ohio, because Marvin Harrison Jr. was so productive. The running game has been... Ugh. 
at best in time and then shambles at other times. Your defense has been awesome, yes, but offensively, the only thing you've been able to consistently count on week in and week out is Marvin Harrison Jr., and he's showing up. I think that's his narrative. And I, for a guy who already came into the year known as the best wide receiver in the country, so he already had the name recognition, plus it doesn't hurt that you know you have a famous name already because of who your father is. I think I don't know if I would go as far to say he'll win the award, but I do think that the path has already been carved here where if Marvin continues to do what he's doing, he's going to end in New York. Let's take one last break here and then let's bring in some of the other guys who might be on the table and might keep Marvin Harrison Jr. from getting to New York. And we'll reveal who more of those. We've already talked about some of those guys, but we'll talk about more of those guys when we come back here in the break. Plus, how much the Michigan game will impact whether this is possible or not when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Andrew, about two days ago, I think the updated Heisman odds came out, and that's about when I sent this text out to the texter. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315, if you want to participate in these types of surveys. So here are the guys in front of Marvin Harrison Jr. According to DraftKings, Marvin Harrison is a plus 1,600 to odds to win the Heisman Trophy. The guys in front of him, I included the six guys in front of Marvin, plus Caleb Williams, because he is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So out of respect for that, I included him in this conversation. It's Michigan's J.J. McCarthy. It's Washington's Michael Penix Jr. LSU's Jaden Daniels. Florida State's Jordan Travis. Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel. And Oregon's Bo Nix. And of course, USC's Caleb Williams. Of that eight-man list, Andrew, where do you have Marvin Harrison just rank just i just had the texas rank those guys where does marvin harrison jr fall on that list through seven weeks amongst those heisman realistic heisman hopefuls at this point i had him fourth um uh, there was a lot of this was hard because there were there were different quarterbacks i mean that we looked at you know Penix, mccarthy dan like I, i i was having a hard time kind of looking at how do you rank some of these guys considering their schedules and some of what they are? I think four is about fair. Um, I think there, because you look at some of these other guys, there's big games on the schedule. Some of these other guys, I think Frank, like if the Heisman were to be awarded today, I would not give it to Marvin Harrison jr. I would not say he's the Heisman winner. If, if I, if I had to give the Heisman trophy as we record this in late October, uh, I would not give it to Marvin Harrison jr. So I, I had him fourth. There are a couple guys ahead of him that I just look at who have had. You can say you know, who the other three guys are that you yeah, send in so, New York. I, I didn't know if we were going <laughs> to reveal it. Um, Michael Penix Jr. would be my Heisman winner today. 
Um, I think that what he's done with Washington this year has been really, really impressive. You know, he leads the country in passing yards. Uh, He's up there in passing touchdowns. He's only thrown five interceptions. Completion percentage, he's pretty solid as well. I that impresses me. Um, and Washington has won a big game. I think that that did matter when I was looking at this. Uh, Washington has has that kind of fur pelt on their on their wall, right? They've got the win that number two, JJ McCarthy doesn't. And I felt this one I want to ask you about after I'm done ranking. I had McCarthy second, Jaden Daniels third, and then Marv fourth. Um, you know, Jaden Daniels, I understand LSU has not had the season that maybe they thought that they were going to have. They lost to uh, Florida State pretty badly. I don't think that Jaden Daniels was the problem in that game. And they lost to Ole Miss in a game where they scored 49 points. Uh, Jaden Daniels statistically is having a remarkable year. 25 touchdowns, three interceptions, over 2,500 yards passing. Jaden Daniels is having a really good year. And they play Alabama. And whatever you want to say about Alabama in the year of our Lord 2023, Alabama doesn't have a quarterback, but their defense is good. Their defense is still good, and their defense is still solid. It's still a Nick Saban-led defense. So that's my four um, after him, just in case you were curious. uh, I had Jordan Travis, Dylan Gabriel, Caleb Williams, Bonex. We don't need to debate those guys. Caleb Williams was last for the Texters, and that's not shocking at all. Jaden Daniels was seventh for the Texters. Dillian Gabriel, sixth. Bo Nix, fifth. And then the top four, Jordan Travis, fourth. J.J. McCarthy, third. Marvin Harrison Jr., second. And Michael Penix Jr., first. And I, I, Michael Penix Jr. has the big win over Oregon and Washington's. I feel like Washington's the new Tennessee right now. Where they're the new team where it's like they're kind of out of nowhere and they've got this transfer older quarterback who's throwing the ball all over the yard. So I, I, I think Michael Penix is the leader for most people. I think Jason McCarthy has the most impressive stats, but also everybody's waiting on him to play somebody good. I wanted to have a conversation about Marvin Harrison Jr. and J.J. McCarthy, though. Yep. I, I thought that for you, first and foremost, you having Jaden Davis, Daniel, excuse me, Jaden Daniels over Jordan Travis was something especially since they got on the field and one beat the other one in a head-to-head yeah, no i understand i but i i like i said i don't think that Jaden daniels was the problem in that game i i, I remember watching that game and i remember watching this going i wish Jaden daniels had some help i would i wish Jaden daniels had some dudes to catch the ball and it he just didn't and and i understand that they lost you know they lost by 21 points but i i don't know like Jaden Daniels, for me, in that game was, again, a man fighting a battle where I, I think he threw for like 350-something yards. And I I, I don't know. I, I looked at that as any – the problems in that game did not stem from Daniels. That's, that's where I'll leave that. So J.J. McCarthy and Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to play each other. Well, not – they're not going to go head-to-head because one's the quarterback and one's a wide receiver. But their teams are going to play each other at the end of the month in a game that is finding more and more reasons to be probably the most watched game in college football. At the Why? End what of happened? The month. What happened, Stephen? Could you explain <laughs> it to me, please? What's going stuff. on? Just a Let's lot of hear stuff. it. It's just a lot of stuff <laughs> happening. A lot of stuff. Just a lot of stuff. 
Marvin Harrison Jr., this is a conversation that's already having. I mean, we're doing we're dedicating an entire pod to it. Marvin was getting asked about it on Saturday after the win over Penn State. This is from the 937. Marvin will have 200 yards against Michigan and strike a Heisen pose in the fourth quarter after he gets a TD. <laughs> By the way, Marvin striking the Heisman pose in Michigan, like in Ann Arbor at Michigan, that's the most sold T-shirt and poster ever in Columbus, right? Like Mar- Marvin, just think about it. It's like kind of lightly snow. Just think of the 2021 scene where it was snowing and it's cloudy and it's gray and Marvin in the end zone in front of a bunch of Michigan fans flipping the bird, doing the Heisman pose. Like that's the, that's the best picture that would, that's, that's going up on every Ohio state poster shirt, everything in the world. I thought, I thought that was a, interesting touch to include in this text because (laughs) that's part of the reason why Michigan's wide receiver Desmond Howard won the Heisman Trophy. Remember that year, he only had 61 catches for 950 yards, but he had 19 touchdowns. But he had, in total touches when you add in his rushing, but plus everything else, he did a lot more for Michigan, but also he returned to kick for a touchdown and then he striked the Heisman pose. So what, and I, I'm, if I'm, I'm mistaken, I can't remember if that game was in Ann Arbor or in Columbus, but it was in Marvin Ann Arbor. Harrison. In Ann Arbor. Okay. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be doing that on the road if he strikes a pose for a Heisman, a Heisman pose in the end zone for a touchdown. Like that's, yes, you're right. That's probably the most sold t shirt and that's an NIL deal waiting to happen. But just yeah, to oh, mention, yeah. <laughs> the other wide receivers who have won, uh, we've already mentioned Devontae Smith, who had 117 catches for 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns in 2020. And then Tim Brown. Also won it. He had 39 catches for 846 yards and three touchdowns that season. But he also had some stuff on the ground, 34 rushes for 144 yards and a touchdown as well. God, college football used to be so wild. 39 catches for a Heisman Trophy winner and receiver. That's crazy. we've We've come a long way with the passing game. But the point I want to make there is we were saying this with Kyle McCord, where if he was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, if he was going to win the Heisman coming into the year, he has to beat Michigan. Period. Like nothing all none of this matters if he doesn't beat Michigan because CJ Stroud made this point at in Indianapolis at the combine where he was saying like he lost out on the Heisman two years in a row because he lost to Michigan. Which is true. I now he wouldn't have won back to back Heisman's probably, but individually in those years, he went into the Michigan game leading the race for the Heisman trophy. And then he lost it because he lost that game. Kyle McCord probably isn't going to go into the Michigan game leading the Heisman race, though. I don't know. Could he use it to at least peak the conversation? Maybe. But J.J. McCarthy needs to win that game to win the Heisman. Does Marvin Harrison Jr. Does Ohio State need to win the Michigan game while Marvin Harrison Jr. does something similar to what he does against Penn State for him to get to New York? You know, I think about this answer. And I want to say Ohio State doesn't need to win the game but i like i'm trying to envision a scenario in which marvin harrison like ohio state loses but marvin harrison jr has an outstanding game and jj mccarthy doesn't right like I don't think like, is it even mathematically possible for Marvin Harrison Jr. to have like 175 yards receiving and a touchdown in a 20 to 17 loss where JJ McCarthy throws two picks and doesn't look all day. I guess it is, but I just, I, I guess it's possible. Is it likely? I, I don't, I don't know. So 
I, I think that you could diagram a scenario. I think that there are far more scenarios where you can win. I just, I don't think it's a prerequisite that you have to win, but the track shortens pretty quickly if Ohio State does not win that game. And Marvin Harrison, like I think Marvin Harrison Jr. would have to have a really solid game because the flip side of that is I under like I said earlier, I think a receiver could maybe given be given a little bit more leeway to if, if a team loses a game. Um I the flip side of that is if Ohio State loses, okay, well something happened, right? And what does that mean? Did JJ McCarthy have a good game? The odds of that are are high. If if like the, the odds of that are decent that if, if Michigan wins that game that J.J. McCarthy played well or well enough to win. And if you go into that game, like J.J. McCarthy, I think if you look at the schedule, J.J. McCarthy has the best Heisman path. Not the easiest, the best. Because Michigan is going to end the season with a road a road game at Penn State. And I understand that Ohio State just, you know, pretty well handled Penn State. But that's a tough place to play. And Penn State's defense is really good. I think if, if we're going to give Marvin Harrison Jr. all the props in the world for destroying Penn State, if J.J. McCarthy has a great game against Penn State, we would have to do the same thing. And then you play Maryland, and Maryland's not a complete pushover, and then you play Ohio State. So the 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 games and the moments are going to be there for, for McCarthy, and the numbers, he's already you know remarkably good this year. So I think McCarthy has the best Heisman path. I just... I don't know how many there are scenarios out there. I just don't know how many there are in which Ohio State loses and you come out of that game thinking Marvin Harrison Jr. over JJ McCarthy for the Heisman, clearly. I don't I don't think it's about winning it. But I do think that I think it's a it's a good logic to have that Ohio State's quarterbacks going forward can't win the Heisman trophy if they don't beat Michigan. Yeah. They can get to New York, as C.J. Stroud did the last two years, but they cannot win it if they do not beat Michigan. I think for other positions at Ohio State, when you have situations like this with Marvin Harrison Jr., like what you had with Chase Young, because if Ch- Chase Young wasn't dominant against Michigan. In fact, that was the first time in like 10 or 12 games that he didn't have a sack. But they won. I think when you are such an outlier dominant force in college football and you play for Ohio State, for quarterback, you got to beat Michigan if you're going to win the Heisman, but you can still get to New York. But for every other position, if you want a chance yeah. to get to New York, you have to beat Michigan. That's a di- because I, there's I, almost I think so. there's because and that's why I wonder. This isn't a conversation of can Marvin Harrison Jr. win the Heisman because. There's this has become a quarterback award, so a lot does have to go perfectly for him to win the award. But I do think that because he already came into the year who he was and everybody knew that and he's building on it, there was always a path for him to at least get to New York if all of that went perfectly. And so far, that's happening. But there's another step to get to to win it. So that's why I'm saying I, I, I don't in the in the to not repeat myself here, but I think that's what, I think that's the calculation. Marvin Harrison Jr. is on a path right now where he is going to end up in New York. As long as he keeps just doing what he's doing, regardless of the Emeka Buka situation. Now, if the rest of the offense starts clicking in a different way, 
I don't think that actually hurts him because he's already who he is, but it does help the overall offense and their ability to potentially win a national title. But Marvin through seven games has made it very clear that there has been no drop off. In fact, he's better than he was a year ago. So he just needs to keep doing that. But if he wants to take this a step further from just being the potential Belitnikoff award winner, unanimous all American, once again, then they have to beat Michigan. So I think that's the only thing that rides on it is, is if Ohio State is going to have a Heisman Trophy finalist for the fourth time in Ryan Day's five years as its head coach, it has to beat Michigan for that to happen. Well, and I'm I'm curious. Uh, something I found really interesting, um, I think we're still kind of waiting for the fallout. And maybe this was just dumb of me to to think this. I'm kind of waiting for the fallout. Like the betting market, J.J. McCarthy's the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy right now. They didn't appear all that concerned with the sign-stealing stuff going on with McCarthy in regards to that. So I am interested to see, just kind of as a side note, like I am interested to see what happens to – because let's – like if J.J. McCarthy, let's say he has a great end of the season and he has a solid rest of the year, like I wonder if that impacts the Heisman candidacy for him. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe it's a dumb question to ask. I just, I, I, I'm curious to see what the next couple of weeks hold for for McCarthy as we kind of build to this Ohio State Michigan game. And I'm, it, it just, I thought it was interesting that he's still the betting favorite, kind of after everything that has gone on in in Ann Arbor in the last, I don't know, what has been a week or two. I, I, I would have thought that there would have been some kind of drop, but there wasn't. So I, we'll see. I guess. So Marvin Harrison Jr. Has, is potentially on a path that leads him down to New York City as a what would be a fourth different Heisman Trophy finalist for Ohio State since Ryan Day took over. When you say Justin Fields and Chase Young both got there in 2019, nobody got there in 2020, and then C.J. Stroud the last two years. But, of course, he would have to keep up this production. I thought, I thought it was an interesting conversation. I thought so. It, it, it'll be an interesting thing to continue to watch because – there is a point to they're not going to play games where all eyes are going to be glued to Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay, what can he do again until the end of November? That's just because of how the store, how the schedule lines up now, kind of with this Wisconsin game on Saturday at 730 on NBC, just because it does have the makings of a trap game, even if Wisconsin hasn't necessarily been what I at least thought they would be in year one under Luke Fickle. But that'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Buckeye Talk. As you're listening to this, we're listening to Dadio, Ryan Day's radio show. And then we'll be recording the preview pod. Ohio State taking on Wisconsin on Saturday. That'll wrap up this pod for Andrew Gillis, for Steve, for Nathan Baird, who is out today. But listen, he should be back very soon here. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.